Hello. Good day. <laughs> I was about to say good evening, but it's nine o'clock here in, in Hawaii. Nine o'clock in the morning. No, ten o'clock. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Gunnerstown Pub uh, Season 2. And I'm joined here uh, tonight by Merv Dinan. Merv, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. Good to have you back. Um, and Mike McDonald is joining us from the States, so we're pretty spread around the, the globe right now. Mike, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Good, good. Well, um, it's good to have you back, and I trust that you've had a, um, a good break away and already in rearing for this new season. <laughs> right, yeah, I, right. I'm well, excited? Are you excited yet? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so... Goodness, there's there's quite a lot to cover, having not been around for a while. But um, I think I'd like to just start with a, a very quick uh, look back on on our opening game, uh, which we lost to newcomers Brentford last weekend. Um, Merv, do you want to give us a quick, uh, you know, like just some quick fire thoughts on on that game? We won't dwell on it too much because there's still a lot to, to cover. Not, not yeah. Um, I was there. Um, Shame, of a ticket, I know, you know because of a ticket mix up I wasn't actually with the Arsenal fans I was a couple of blocks along with Brentford fans who um, were, were pinching themselves all the way through they did not expect it um, it's it, lacking I don't know energy I, I, it, it seemed for long periods that yeah, we should have this game we, we just you know all we need to do is score um, and we had a lot of chances, as we know, something like 22 goal attempts, uh, which is more than uh, um, we had, I think, in any game towards the end last season. And, you know, when Kaya Saka came on, you know, it, it stepped up a gear. Um, I just, to me, it just felt over-choreographed. Uh, there was that that uh, image we've seen a still that's been shared a lot of times on the social media, uh, where Gran- Granite Xhaka has the standard Arsenal ball kind of inside for uh, Martinelli to run onto. We've seen it with Thierry Henry. We've seen it with Aubameyang, uh, Sanchez. We've seen it over the years, that 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 ball. But he doesn't. He, he checks and passes it out to Tierney to cross. Um, and I think given we had, um, I suppose, Balogun in for, you know, starting a Premier League game for the first time, um, it, it, I think the attack just didn't gel. And I think that there were too many uh, moments when we could have been a bit more incisive. Uh, and I saw one of the highlight reels. I know we'll talk about signings and Erdegaard and stuff later. But just um, uh, one or two of the highlight reels that were shown today on Twitter from towards the end of last season. And it was just so, so much more incisive. Um, and I felt that the defence wasn't, you know, burnt Leno, just just... He played like somebody who didn't want to be there. Right. And they sensed that. Brentford, I think, sensed that it was a new defence that hadn't played together and a goalkeeper who um, just 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 didn't seem to be there. Right. Um, Mike, do you have anything you want to add to that? Well, yeah, I mean, it was the defending was, was rusty. I'm going to be polite there because, um, you know... Um, we have a reputation for being a little mistake-ridden. Um, but I guess I'll put it down to rustiness at the beginning of the season, hoping that some of those calamitous errors would not happen normally. But I just have to echo what Merv said, because um, it's 
this is going to be Arteta's downfall. I think as soon as we get into the Emirates and start playing teams like I think is it Norwich at home is our for next home game after the Chelsea, you know, home game in a few weeks. The games that the Emirates expect us to win, and we start or we will um, start and continue our robotic, predictable football. And if it doesn't produce, which you know it did sometimes last year, then um, the crowd are going to rip them apart because it's it's no fun to watch. It really isn't. And you know, football is becoming a coach's game, which I really don't like. And I'm a coach and don't like that. And uh, I don't mind the coach teaching passing patterns. I, I teach passing patterns, but it seems at Arsenal that that's uh, the, the amount of control that Arteta has over the team. Um, it seems like it's absolute. It seems like he wants to choreograph the word Mervyn used again, everything. Um, and so, you know, I understand if you have brilliant ideas and maybe some of Arteta's ideas are brilliant, I don't know, but then if you have better players, maybe you'll win these games. But it doesn't take a genius to figure out if I'm coaching a team and, um, you know, against Mervyn and uh, after about half an hour, you know, Mervyn figures out what I'm doing when the ball's over here and then what we do when the ball's over here, then he can just tell them at half time if he hasn't told them before the game because he's probably watched me, right, on video. And um, and he can tell the guys, you know, when the when the ball is here, Arsenal do this. This is what they do. They don't do anything else. This is what they do. Um, and we all can see this. And I think that, you know, I think it's going to be similar to last season. We'll do fairly well in the bigger games when the other teams have the ball and we can counter, which I think is more our style based on the players we have. But the teams that are as good as us or, or weaker than us on paper, we're going to struggle because I think that they're going to find us super predictable. And um, Arteta's going to have to find some humility and somebody's going to have the balls to tell him that the passing patterns and... and uh, predictability is is fine to a certain extent if it's working like getting Tierney open for six chances to cross I guess that's good but again they everybody knows what we're doing and so it's just not hard to stop right we um I think hashtag predictable is probably it's the curse of being an Arsenal fan over the last you know 15 years because under Wenger towards the end it was hashtag predictable the same errors the same you know, the same approach, you know, despite the, the opposition, you know, and that was kind of our downfall, you know, and, and the same thing I got from this Brentford game was that the same pattern, the same, the same mistakes that we were making, like passing to Shaka through the middle, like Leno can see that there's somebody on Shaka and he still did it and he still got caught out and they still, I mean, it could have been three or four, you know, <laughs> actually, you know, they, I think they hit the crossbar a couple of times, just yeah. one lobbed over the net and then they had a couple of others that, you know, they could have put away. Um, and yet, I never felt that we really, I mean, despite the 22 attempts on target, I don't really feel like we had, you know, maybe there was one and a half that looked like they might have gone in. Pepe, so that yeah. was, um, yeah, that, that predictability, like, you know, getting it out wide is great if you've got somebody in the middle who's lethal and can put away across. But, um, you know, in yeah. the preseason, Aubameyang, you know, it might have... Might as well have been playing with a rugby ball. It just seemed like the ball wouldn't go, <laughs> you know, in the direction that he'd header it, or, you know. So, yeah, those those predictable errors are, I think, just the thing that frustrates frustrates me the most is when you can see it in the first five or ten minutes too, is those same patterns. And if we can see it, um, I mean, Mike, you're a coach, Merv and I, you know, we're just we're fans, really. I, I wouldn't claim to yeah. be like a tactical expert or, um, but if we can see it, then 
you know, surely like they have a team full of professional footballers, you know, have seen it. And, you know, there's no, there's just no, um, there's no shock and awe. You know, there's no Spanish Inquisition about us. We're just kind of, we just seem to be stuck on a, on mm. rails, you know, we're like a monorail team, you know, we only go in one direction and, you know, and in that direction, we don't even go that fast, to be honest. So we're not really even a monorail. <laughs> Anyway, um, I think that's uh, probably enough to say about uh, Brentford. Do you, except perhaps um, let's let's touch on this now because it was it started around then. You know, obviously not having a Bamiang and Lacazette starting was a bit of a was a bit of shock to me. I, I've been out of touch, um, traveling, um, and then there were all sorts of rumors that kind of sprung up after that. Merv, do you want to do you want to touch on on maybe how a Bamiang and Lacazette's absence affected us against Brentford and? And any of the rumours and the stories, you know, leading up into, you know, where we are with them this week? Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, the way it broke, um, it was like something slipped out on Twitter a couple of people during the afternoon. So I, I met up with a couple of friends before the game and, and one of them didn't even know. And I said, well, on Twitter, they're saying that neither of them are playing. And it was kind of, I think, interpreted as uh, the kind, there's been a bust up. There's been a falling out. They're trying to sell them. But I suppose thinking about it, to put Balogun and Martinelli in together, who've not started the league game together, um, it, it, something had happened. Uh, now we're told it's COVID. Um, I don't know why you can't say it's COVID. I mean, uh, other clubs have been out straight away. Um, and now there were stuff about we tried to get the game postponed and things. Um, but it was, I suppose, the way Arsenal fans are feeling about the club at the moment, the fact that there was almost a conspiracy kind of they're not there, there's been a bust up. Everybody immediately believed. It, it was a very believable scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you, you could just, I suppose, mm-hmm. afterwards, p- playing the game back, in my mind on the way home, I could imagine it being exactly the same if Lacazette and Obama Young were there, would still be doing the same thing. Um, yeah. So it was, I think it possibly unsettled them. And I mean, if, if it is true, we, uh, we assume so, that they, they, they found out that they had COVID on Friday, then we probably spent the week choreographing moves with them involved. Right. Yeah, it didn't seem like... Um... You know, to be honest, as much as I was, I was shocked that they weren't playing. When I look back at the game, I didn't feel like that made much of a difference. I felt that Lina Balogun and um, Martinelli, you know, the way they're playing, the way Lacazette and Aubameyang are right now, neither of them are particularly lethal. I didn't feel like, you know, that we would have converted any of the chances that those two had instead. You know, so it's this weird position where, you know, you're looking at these two key senior players and you're thinking, well... You know, <laughs> they're not really impact players, even, you know, this last season. It's not like you would call on them, you know, from the bench to, to make a difference. They just haven't been able to do that. Um, Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, um, I totally agree with you. I don't think that they would have made a whole lot of difference because they're not in form. Um, and uh, unfortunately, going back to the coach and the predictability of it, we um, these patterns that we are repeating and the ones that we're actually getting success with when the ball goes across to the left quickly and the left forward moves in, giving space for Tierney and getting the ball to Tierney um, is uh, that part's working. But why are we doing that? Why are we doing that? We're not 
a team that has any centre forwards in the whole club, Aubameyang, Lacazette, Balogun and Martinelli haven't had a chance to prove it yet, that are masters at putting the ball in the net from crosses. So I, I just don't understand what we're doing there. And, I, and it just to me, it doesn't matter. And for me, I think Arsenal desperately need to sign a centre-forward um, before the end of the window because none of our centre-forwards have even close to the full toolbox of, uh, of giftings, you know, for, to hold the ball up, to finish crosses, to win headers, to be more aggressive. Um, so I know that Aubameyang historically has scored a lot of goals, but we don't play to his strengths. Um, and I don't under- So I don't really understand what we're doing. So whether he played or not, I didn't feel that it would have impacted the score on that. But that's more on the coach to me, because I don't think he plays to the strengths of our of our forwards who are all electrically fast uh, three of them are and um and outstanding on the uh, from broken play and on the counter attack so until he recognizes that or until we get a different center forward i think we just see the same thing yeah um yeah you just just talking about the you know the senior players and the impact um I do remember thinking after Brentford that it was basically all of our senior players on the pitch that let us down again. It felt like it was Leno, um, Pepe, um, Shaka, uh, Bellerin. Bellerin was playing right, I think. Um, no, 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 he yeah. didn't play. So there was some. There Cha- was another. Cha- Chambers was, right, and then Chambers, they brought. Chambers, and then they brought, they brought Tavares on as right back when they had three right backs on the bench. Yes, but it was interesting because I did. I thought that Sam, Sammy Lukonga had a great had a great yeah. game. I've, I've, yeah. Goodness gracious! I need to close this door. Hang on. From being the quietest, from being the quietest road in Hawaii, it's suddenly become like rush hour with trucks and stuff. I thought Lukonga had a great game. I thought he saw yeah. his body movement was great. Mikey would have appreciated the way he he you know that he, he protects the ball and runs onto it and stuff. And um, the same with Tavares. Um, I thought that he, you know, they, they're comfortable with the ball. They were creative. Um, yeah, I thought our youngsters did well. And from that point of view, you know, shocking obviously is losing to Brentford on the opening day is um, last season, I think we won our first two or three games and look where that got us. You kind of just got to take it with a pinch of salt. Mm. And maybe, you know, that the, maybe Brentford is enough to kick us into into gear for... Chelsea and City, you know, coming up. Um, but let's um, have a quick chat about um, transfers um, that have happened um, and transfers that are rumoured to have happened. Um, Mike, why don't you start, uh, kick us off. So um, I believe that the ins that we have so far um, is Ben White, Sambi, uh, Tavares, uh, Tierney renewed and um, and I'm not sure because I've been pretty out of it, but um, Ramsdale, uh, Odegaard and Awar are kind of, you know, um, hot topics right now. I don't know which ones of those are confirmed and which aren't. I mean, I've only yeah. seen rumours. Yeah, we've signed Ramsdale and um, Odegaard. I think it hasn't been announced yet, but both of them have taken mm. their medicals and I think it'll be announced tonight or in the morning. Uh, they're saying that Ramsdale will probably be in the squad for Sunday and Odegaard apparently needs um, a visa. Um, so he probably won't be in the squad. Our, I haven't heard that one. I've heard rumours, but nothing beyond. I doubt we were to get another creative player. I think surely, surely to goodness, um, our next two priorities are striker and right back. 
rather than having a third creative player beyond Smith Rowe and Erdegaard. But I mean, for me, the positive uh, for this summer is that is the transfers and the age profile and the physical profile that we've gone for, which is that's a big, big plus for me that we've finally signing athletes, younger players between 21 and 24 that have some resale value. They're not too young. They're not too old. Uh, we're, we're putting them on wages that aren't, you know, like Kolasinac, that aren't over 100,000 for, for players who are mediocre. So I see, you know, the short term for Arsenal, I'm worried about, to be honest with you, uh, on the pitch. But the, the medium term with uh, the, these signings, and I, to be honest with you, I think Arteta's strength, his greatest strength, is in the market for him, identifying what's needed to play in the Premier League this age profile, he's the, he's the coach to his credit that's done, that's done this and, and recognised this and signed a bunch of players that will be a great, uh, give Arsenal a great future. Um, uh, and, and then Erdegaard, I think, um, is a fantastic signing with a huge high ceiling. And as long as uh, we can get some unpredictability from him and get him to shoot a little more than he did last season when he's got the opportunity and not be so generous with the ball, I think we're onto a great thing there. So, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Tavares at right-back thing isn't something we see more. I'm wondering if the club are, are, are going to sign a striker, leave the right-back thing and play him as a right-back because he's two-footed. And people haven't been talking about that much, but he's a left-back, but he's two-footed. And he might be the best option that we have on the right side. So um, I'm and I'm super excited about Ben White. I hear nothing but great things from everybody that's ever watched him and Lakonga. Um has got a great future. So I'm really excited about the medium term. I just hope in the short term that we can start getting some results and play some creative football as well as the robotic stuff. Um, yeah, all good points. Uh, I think it's encouraging that we, you know, in a market that everybody knows is pretty static and, and, and probably a lot of stuff is going to happen towards the end of the, the transfer mm -hmm. window when, <clears throat> when deals aren't done and, and players are available either, you know, for you know low figures or on loan i think there's going to be a lot of movements and stuff or hope there is because we're sitting on a lot of people when i was looking at the squad before the, the the podcast i was looking at all those faces and i was like wait they're still at arsenal it was just crazy but i'm um, merv um yeah. just going back to the the Erdegaard thing um how do you think that affects somebody like smithro who's, who's just been given the number 10 um shirt and and is obviously like a rising star in the club, and there's a lot of confidence and, and faith being put in him. How do you, how does that work when he and Odegaard kind of seem to be tag teaming when, when they were both in the squad um, last season? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean they 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 did play together a bit last se season. I think that um, I mean most of the analysis I've seen has uh, Smith Rowe, I suppose, playing on the left. Um, I mean, some are looking at a four-two-three-one with the three being Smith Rowe, Odegaard, Saka. Um, I don't know if, if all three youngsters would play in 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 that way across the um, the attacking midfield. Um, with Odegaard, what I'm pleased about is I, I, I only have to think back game-wise a couple of games, um, and I think we were on the pod together that night. The the Crystal Palace game, the penalty. Mm -hmm. Penultimate game of last season, where we were ambling to a one-one draw um, in a game that, that, that we dominated for long parts and, and, and kind of you know working the ball out to Tierney over and over again, and like in the 90th minute, Erdegaard had like had enough and, and took 
took it wide, played a, a, a great ball in for Martinelli to attack. Um, and we scored to go 2-1 up. And then Pepe kind of decided not to turn back and knock it back to Cedric or Chambers or whatever, but run into the box and score. Um, and I think he's got that uh, ability. Now, um, clearly, we've still signed him, hopefully, um, if the rumours are. So Arteta's not held it against him. Uh, that he ignored the template to to win the game, um, but I think he can do that, and I think that the, the uh, Smith Rowe and Odegaard I think will dovetail nicely. Um, I suppose the concerns are particularly with Party not there in games he misses is the physicality. Um, I think uh, Odegaard was good at winning the ball back, uh, 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 kind of you know not making the obvious pass. Uh, but I think the physicality, particularly in that kind of um, the, the the first half of the attacking third, if you like, um, where we could get pushed out of it, I think that's the important bit. Um, I mean, Lakonga, I agree with you. I thought it was great. He was one of the pluses uh, last Friday, given it was his uh, Premier League debut. Um, and I feel there's a lot of promise there, probably when parties there, We'll see more of Lakonga doing that. They, um, uh, the stuff with his body moving away, kind of you know, opening up play. Um, so yeah, I'm excited by the signings. They are all young. I agree, agree with Mike. It's exactly the profile we want. Um, and I've seen it mentioned in one or two places. Such a nucleus of young players. I mean, if we add on to the ones we've signed, obviously Tierney, Saka, Smith Rowe. Uh, um, they're a squad that should things not go well over the next 10, 11 games uh, and the board have to make a decision, uh, that will attract a good coach. Right. Um, it's interesting. So you talk about the 4-2-3-1 um, with Saka, Odegaard and Ies and Smith-Rowe. Um, <laughs> that leaves a one up front uh, to be fought over by Lacazette, Aubameyang, Balogun in Ketia, the new striker that Mike wants us to buy. Um, you know, <laughs> that's a pretty competitive position. And if we got, uh, you know, Awar, you know, as who would obviously put in that three behind the, you know, um, it seems like we probably would have to go to a four-four-two, Mike, and um, you know, maybe try and incorporate more cr creative players in that that back row. Of, I mean, the front row of four and and let the five or four or five fight over those two spots in the front. What do you what do you think? Is Arteta ready for a four-four-two? Kitty, well, I doubt he would do that. He may try a. Um, I mean, there's talk of a back three this weekend. Try a you know three-four-three three or a three-five-two. I think it just depends on um, on what happens at the beginning of the season. I mean, I think he changed once or twice last season. Um, but uh, Arsenal just need uh, a physical striker, like you guys have said. They 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 have a. Strikers, we have a physical striker outside the box in Lacazette who, when he turns around, he either doesn't run into the box or when he does run into the box, holds the hand of the defender next to him and has zero movement off the ball. Um, so Arsenal need uh, a striker with better movement and uh, and and, phys and physicality, and I think that the whole thing will come will come together if uh, if we are bold enough to do that. But as you say, Paul, we have too many num in numbers, so we have to. Sell Aubameyang or Lacazette or, or both of them is what I would do if, if at all possible, um, and uh, and get a, a new uh, striker. Dusan Vlajevic is the one that uh, I think would be perfect for Arsenal, um, and then trust Martinelli and Balogun 
to back him up. Um, but I think Manchester City are looking at this guy and uh, Tottenham and some others, Atletico Madrid, um, and plays for Fiorentina. Um, unbelievably, he's like the new uh, Erling Haaland or Ibrahimovic, huge, big monster guy scoring goals for fun. Uh, he's going to be the next big thing. So, 21 years of age. Wow. Speaking of next big, next big things, and um, the next big thing at Chelsea is a, is a big thing that they had and got rid of. Um, it was interesting to see Romelu, Romelu Lukaku going back. I read that on, on Transfer Market because, like I said, I've really been out of it. I saw that and I was like, oh, I'm in the wrong year. <laughs> it's gone back to 2012 or something. And when I saw that they'd spent that much money on, on bringing him back, um, do you think he's he's going to be more effective for, for Chelsea? Um, obviously, we're playing him just if, if, if all works out for them. We're going to be facing them this weekend. Do you think he has become a lethal player or do you think he'll still struggle in the Premier League like he did? Um, Merv, you want to take that? Um, being a, an Arsenal fan, obviously, my, my, my judgment is coloured by the fact that, 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 that I, I don't want him to succeed in the Premier League. Um, I think no, that... That's, that's a given. Yeah, yeah. Tuchel, I think, uh, or Tuchel, however you pronounce it, uh, yeah, I think knows what he's doing. Uh, so he's he's identified him for a specific reason, I would think, um, and we'll we'll probably find out. Hopefully, Sunday is too soon, but we'll find out over the coming weeks. You know, maybe what that is. Um, I, I mean, the immediate reaction as a football fan of many years standing on the terraces is that look, you know, he's played for Everton, he's played for Manchester United, he's played for Chelsea. It's kind of you. Know, why is it going to be any different now? Uh, you know, we've got you know, English defences, particularly in the top half of the Premier League, are quite strong. Um, but the, 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 there must be a reason why they parted with, with 100 million. Uh, and there must be something in his game that they think uh, he now does differently or he can be used differently. Um, so I think that they need a finisher. I think Chelsea create a number of chances that don't get finished and Tuchel didn't rate Abraham. Um, I mean, I thought Abraham would have been a good fit for Arsenal, but um, uh, Vajovic as well, Roma, I understand. Right? He has, going? yes. Roma for 34 million. Roma who didn't have enough money to sign Jacker for 13 million, but never mind. Um, <laughs> the, um, I mean, when you look at the figures, sorry, I'm just going to interrupt there quickly because another, pers- yeah. another player who's, who's kind of obviously in the Chelsea-Arsenal realm, who we won't be facing this weekend, who is the guy that we do need in the centre of the box for all the crosses that Tierney puts to no one, is Giroud. And I saw that he went for a million. Yeah. In an, I would have bought him for a million. I still think he's got, I still think he's got goals in there more than, more than any of our other... Um, yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I mean, to answer on Lukaku, I think Mike's talking, but he's on mute. Um, the um, sorry, I think on Lukaku, wishful thinking is he'll struggle again. But um, I'm guessing that, um, yeah, they haven't parted with 100 million because they don't have a plan. Um, Mike, did you, you were talking. Um, is there something you want to say about was it Giroud or was it Lukaku either? Yeah, yeah, just real quick. Yeah, sorry. Um, Lukaku, I think, is fantastic. I think he's in his prime right now and I think he's going to rip it up and 
probably starting with us, unfortunately, on Sunday. Hopefully not, but um, I think he'll probably end up being the top scorer. Uh, Giroud would have been a great short-term idea if, you know, not really, again, what I would do, but if we're going to play this way, it makes a whole lot more sense having Olivier Giroud in the box. So, mm-hmm. again, you know, if I'm trying to finalise Arsenal's plans and have to accept that this is how the coach wants to play and consistently give the ball to Tierney to put high and low crosses in. You need somebody who's the best one-touch finisher in Europe, probably, to be fair to him, and pretty decent in the air. So um, he would be a great option. I I wouldn't play the way Arteta plays, though, but... Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, Lukaku's been ripping it up for Belgium and and for... He was at Inter, right? Um, And Giroud, I I saw him still making appearances for France and, and scoring and stuff, so... Yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. But anyway, so my point was more that seeing Giroud went for a million, you know, <laughs> I mean, as in, I would have been up in arms, you know, about that, but uh, I like the player. Um, there were other big transfers that were supposed to happen, and, and I've got, like, um, jet lag fog and stuff. But um, do you want to just touch on, on what you think are the new transfers, not just for Arsenal, but, like, into the Premier League that are going to, you know, stir things up and make make things exciting? Um, you know, uh, Merv, are there any that particularly um, caught your eye? I mean, there was always so much talk about Mbappe and Sancho and all these other players, you know. Um, mm. did, did the Premier League get new talent uh, apart from Lukaku's uh, old talent? Um, that, that Mbappe you? hasn't arrived. No, that's what I'm saying, yeah. so I'm hoping <laughs> Arsenal might, might find the money for him, but um, I don't think so. <laughs> He'd be a good signing. Uh, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that the I mean, I, I think there's a lot still to be done. Um, I, I think, well, I mean, United, you know, with Sancho and Varane uh, are probably done what, what they're going to do. I think City clearly want a striker. It's going to be Kane or maybe, as of today, Lewandowski. Um, the I say as of today, not because they put in a bid, but because the, the talk is that, that he wants to leave Bayern. Um so I'm guessing that the you know Grealish I I I think might be, and it's not wishful thinking because I think it's a fantastic player. But, but I'm wondering if Grealish might be the kind of you know the extra chocolate you didn't need for the chocolate box. Um, the um, I think there are some interesting ones, and I think that the chances are the the successful transfers will be ones that that have slipped under the radar. So I mean, for example, we've got. You know, for us, everybody's going to be looking at Ben White because of the amount of money and stuff. But I think someone like the Conga uh, will probably turn out to be the best of the signings. Uh, I'm not including Odegaard in that because he's effectively coming back. Um, So I think that, I I think Lukaku, as I said, I mean, there's a reason they've signed him. Um, Liverpool, I think, uh, you know, possibly have a a major signing left, left in them. But I'm guessing that the last few days of the season, we, there will be. Uh, we'll be doing a pod in about three weeks' time and there'll be at least three or four big transfers. So I nev- never saw that happening. Right. Um, so, I'm um, talking about, uh, I was just thinking about Lekonga and Tavares and our midfield and Odegaard and Smith-Rowe. And we've spoken about this many times on the pod about our need you know, for our midfielders to contribute to our goal tally because it's 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 a serious flaw in firstly in Arteta's style of play and and just basically as a club and our ability to 
kind of kind of punch above our weight. We need more goal scorers. What did you think of um, getting rid of Willock and sending him to Newcastle, considering he seems to be about the only midfielder that we had in our squad that, that was capable of scoring consistently? Mike? Yeah, I understood it. I understood that his value was high because of what he did last season. I understood that if he wasn't going to play, it was probably the right thing to do. I think in a perfect world, you keep him and you use him as an impact sub because he scored half of those goals last season coming off the bench. Off the bench. Um, yeah, he did. And so, or you play a 4-3-3 because Joe Willock is clearly uh, a third midfielder, isn't he? He's not a number 10. He's definitely not in a, a two. He you know, doesn't have the technical qualities, I, I think, for that. But he is uh, arguably one of the best in the league at being the third uh, midfielder. So I think that uh, Arsenal probably did the right thing. But I, I, I think the risk is, uh, as you said, Paul, I think the risk is we don't have goals from our midfield. And uh, he would have been a wonderful um, option when the, bro- the play does get broken at the end of the game and we just become desperate and drop drop the script and um, and just get desperate, I think Joe Willock would have won, won us quite a few games. So it's, I think it's a shame, but I get it. Because it seems to me that, um, you know, Joe Willock's kind of late arriving into the box or, you know, like in an Aaron Ramsey-esque kind of way, his ability to pop up and be in the right position is almost kind of the player that you would expect to benefit from the fact that Tierney is often putting in crosses and he's very good at seeing a cutback or seeing somebody at the back of the yeah. box or arriving late and all that kind of stuff. It seems like Willick is that guy that would actually fit, you know, it would be the second wave of attack for Arteta's, you know, like, um, you know, his choreographed thing because we don't have a striker that's there for the first option, but the second option, Joe Willick would have been there every single time and probably sometime for the first option too. So, you know, I, I'm, you know, Erdegaard never struck me as a, as a goal-scoring kind of thing. He, he seems to have a bit more of a Mesut Ozil quality about him, happy to assist and, and pass off. Smith-Rowe, I saw an interview with him um, during the off-season when he got the shirt, and he was talking about, like, I, you know, his main priority was I need to score more goals for this team, which I think is great because I think he has got, he has got it in him. Um, so, and the thing that I liked about Lekonga and... Um, and Tavares, uh, Tavares scored that worldie in the um, in his first game in his debut, um, and I think you know Lukonga looked like he was lining up a couple of parties. Still seems to still seems to be finding his um, <laughs> crosshairs, but you know at least there, at least there is an attempt, you know, to you know to, to take a shot. Mike, you got something on that? No, no, no. I was just showing you the airplane, the, the party <laughs> shot. <laughs> Which you were saying, yeah. please, sir, can I answer this one? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, no, he hit the crossbar last game of the season, did he not? Or is that he's right? Getting, yeah, he's getting closer. So. Yeah. yeah. And it was quite a good And of shot. course, Joe, Joe, Joe Willock, in his only appearance for Arsenal, did come off the bench in the Chelsea friendly, uh, which I was also at. Um, and actually um, equalised for us, albeit um, with no VAR, it wasn't given. Um, That's true. I I think that ultimately it might be, and I hope I'm not putting too much on Erdegaard's shoulders, but it might be uh, Willock effectively was sacrificed to to bring in some money for them to conclude Erdegaard, because I think that, given the kind of uh, fees that were being banded around 
historically for him, the fact in Madrid signing him at 16 and stuff, to get him for 30 million euros, if that's what it is, um, sounds steel. And if he develops the way that, that throughout his career people have thought he had, then we might be in another one of those um, uh, phases where we were a couple of years after the Invincibles, where we're losing all our best players, uh, but, but yeah. for big for big sums. Well, I mean, uh, I think Willock was, as far as I know, our only um, sale so far this season. And we've got three loans. I think Guendouzi is out. Mm. Um, who the other ones? Uh, Mavropanos is yes. on loan. Saliba. And Saliba. Those are the three that we've got out on loan. We've got an awfully big squad that's going to be needing trimming. Apparently, Torreira is, is in London, did I read today? Okay. So Does that mean I mean, available for us, or I, I don't think so. He never played for Arteta, right? He was gone already when when Arteta yeah. arrived. You know, there was so much excitement about him after the the World Cup, and you know, yeah, it's just disappointing. It's one of those kind of signings that you went, "Well, oh, how did that go so wrong?" I mean, he scored that amazing goal against Spurs that I'll always yes. remember. You know, the shirt. <laughs> You know, he seemed to get it pretty quickly, and I like his aggression. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not a, obviously not a very physical guy, but he, you know that aggressive quality makes up for it. Um, you know, when when you say you need a partner, somebody up, you know, who's going to put a little bit of uh, you know physical pressure up in that final third. Um, he, he yeah, be- for some reason they. they uh, I mean, we had that run of was it the twenty-two game unbeaten run when Emery first joined and, yeah, and yeah. he was great I remember I was at uh, uh, Fulham where we won the 5-1 was it and, and they, they, the, I think it was the first time they sang Torreira to the Vieira tune um, but it, it, I think to be the defensive midfielder in the Premier League he just the physicality wasn't enough you know he needed to be bigger he needed to be more robust um, and I think Emery then started playing him more forward as like an ace or something and I don't think it, it I, I don't think the Premier League is for him, although he did give us some great moments. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about that, you know, like the, the physicality and the size and stuff, uh, N'Golo Kante just always pops into my mind and I'm like, how oh, I wish that we had that, we had that player who's he just, he's always in the right place at the right time. He doesn't have to be too big and too physical. Mm. He can string a pass together. He scores. I mean, yeah. Anyway. That's Gilberto. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I wish Torreira would be that because he's got, he's obviously skillful and stuff. I just don't think he has the positional awareness and the passing range of those two players that we've just mentioned. Okay, so I think we're heading into the last little bit of this this pod. Let's have a look at the Chelsea game. We've touched on bits and pieces of it. Um, there's some injuries updated. Um, Aubameyang had covid He's back in training. He'll be assessed, so he may be able to start. Lacazette has COVID, but is not available. Um, so obviously he's still in the dog box, the COVID dog box. Runnison unfortunately has COVID, is not and is not available. So looks like Leno, Leno might have to start. Uh, yeah. Willian is uh, undergoing protocols and he's being assessed, so he may be available. But um, yeah. <laughs> I think he should rest. Um, yeah, yeah. Party, yeah. party, yeah. right angle. Right ankle ligaments back in training only at the end of August. In Katia, right angle bruising, uh, training only early September. 
and Gabrielle um, right knee from the Olympics and injury picked up then um, training later in August. So that's not great news. I mean, Thomas party, you know, like half a game in and it's like, you know, back to the injury thing. It's, it's, it's strange. It's, it's like a different player than the one that everyone thought they got from Atletico. Right, Mike? He, he just had that yeah. reputation of being invincible and, and he's been, he definitely hasn't been that with us. Well, um, I think this, this injury, to be fair to him, wasn't his fault, was he? He was hacked down in a friendly, um, I think the one that Mervyn was at. So uh, I feel yeah. for him. I feel for him. And uh, he's a huge miss. Um, and so uh, we just have to be patient. And I'm, I'm excited that Sambi gets to play. I am that he's taken his place and not El Nenny. So um, I think big ask for Sambi on, uh, on Sunday against Chelsea, but I think he'll still play. Um, I'm just hoping that we can uh, string a little bit more creativity together. But to be fair to Arsenal in the past, under Arteta, he's vastly improved our chances of being competitive in big games. I think that's a good way to put it. We don't always win them. We've won a decent percentage of them, but we haven't been hammered like we were under Wenger for many, many years. And we, we haven't, um, we've always been in those games, I think is my memory of most of all the big games we're competitive in them. So um, I'm sort of more looking forward to that than, than I am the than the, you know, the Norwich and the Burnley game coming up. Mm-hmm. Because they're the ones that make me nervous. I still want to kind of focus on the idea, and, and it's a number that's, you know, that's passed around like it was last weekend, is that, you know, from Christmas last year, I think we're the second or third highest team still in the league mm-hmm. after City, you know, and you kind of want to just remind yourself of that because sometimes the results and, you know, the losses that come against the teams that they come against and the times that they come you know, sometimes makes it seem more cataclysmic than it actually is when, when you know, it's a game of, 30, you know, it's 38 games. It's a long, it's a long, hard process. And if we've got that kind of ability to do better against the top six, as we have been doing under Arteta, and if we can just, you know, brush up some of those stupid losses from late starts against, you know, some of the lesser teams, you know, maybe we can keep that going. And if you can do that for a whole season and not just half of one, um, you know, then we, you know, you know, we could maybe fight our way back into the top six, five, you know. Um, so, Merv, sorry, four, yeah, four would be great. I yeah. do still see, I, I, do, I still do see this as a team, you know, um, kind of in progress. I, I work in progress and, you know, we can be impatient, but, you know, Mike mentioned earlier that with the, with the players that we've managed to sign and that we've we've kept and, and, this, and the ones, you know, that... Um, you know, the TNEs and the Sackers that have extended contracts and stuff. I think with all of those players, we're looking at a, I think if we can keep them all, you know, in three or four years' time, we're looking at a pretty lethal team. And if they've played together for that long, it's, you know, um, heaven help our opposition. Um, Merv, do you want to just um, give us an idea what you think the lineup will be against Chelsea? Um, I know where I'd like it to be. Um, I, okay. I, I think he may yeah, what, go. What would you like it to be? Let's do that first. Hopefully we sign Erdegaard in time. So I would I would like to see Smithrow, Erdegaard and Saka play together. Uh with possibly Aubameyang as the striker up front. Well, I know he doesn't press. Um I think that we might some of the passes, particularly if Erdegaard's there, we might get some different balls in. Uh, that he might be able to convert. Um, I, I hope he doesn't pick on any. Uh, I want to see Lukonga again. 
I don't know about the defence. I mean, the right back thing is really concerning at the moment. So, so would whether you play he goes 3, for a... is that is that what you play? Sorry. What... Well, I, I yes, I mean, I think I would. Although having said that, I have seen people, you know, a number uh, think that we might go with three at the back, um, with uh, White and um, Mari, I suppose. Uh, oh no, Ma- uh, Tierney. Uh, sorry, Tierney, White, and Chambers or Holding. Um, I don't know. It depends um, how they're going to tackle Lukaku and, and how they expect them to line up. But I just, you know, the first game at the Emirates, the first full crowd, well, fullish crowd uh, at the Emirates for some time. Um, hopefully it's an attacking performance. Um, I, I, I'm confident we won't lose, but I'm not overly confident we'll win. Um, okay. but, uh, we put, until... the. the they they hacked party in the friendly because he actually was dominating the game for the first half hour. Um, we were looking quite good, um, so I'm 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 confident that that we'll we'll see a better performance than against Brentford. Um, Mike, is what would be your wish wishful lineup? Well, uh, I think that. Um... To stay 4-2-3-1 is what I would like to do, and I'd love for Odegaard to play. I think that he's got a lot to prove to the people at Real Madrid, if nothing else, you know. Um, and I think that he'd be highly motivated with uh, Smith Rowe on the left, Saka on the right, and um, uh, Martinelli at centre-forward is what I would do. Um, I'm over the whole Abamian lacazette thing, regardless if they're fit or not. Um, Lukonga and, and Jack are in the middle with um, the same... Uh, back four, because that, that's what's available, I think, right now. And Chambers is the best of, of the bunch. Uh, but I am concerned about Lukaku and uh, and Conte's back. He didn't play for them last weekend. So that's not good either, because he's a, obviously a game changer, as we said, and Golo Conte. So um, I think Chelsea will probably do it. I think they'll probably beat us 3-1. Love to think that uh, my earlier statement about us being competitive means that we can be competitive in this one. But... Um, I'm just not sure with the players we've got available without party and probably without Erdegaard and um, without a firing forward line. I think it's just a big ask to believe that Arsenal aren't going to, um, you know, lose to Chelsea. But we'll see. Fingers crossed. So any, any? I, I think both, yeah, those selections are pretty much what I'd go for. Um, if, if there was going to be three at the back, I, holding as a kind of person who in big games like this against people like Lukaku has has kind of always done well, you know, like when Diego Costa, um, you know, like some of those kind of lethal players, he's he's he, he's kind of up for it. He's got the kind of aggression, I think, sometimes that, that really puts those guys off their stride. And I'm hoping that, you know, if it is Ben White and Murray and stuff, that they've got that aggression that like a centre-back, centre-half needs to have. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure that's the only, that's probably the only question mark that I'd have over that. Um, then, so down to predictions. Merv, you say we're not going to lose. You're hoping we'll win. Um, mm. Mike, you, you don't seem as hopeful. I mean, we got the double over them last season, but that was with Lampard. I think Tuchel is, uh, yeah. Tuchel, Tuchel is a different prospect altogether, but hey, who knows? Yeah, I think, I think Chelsea are going to do it 3-1. I think it'll be late, done late in the day, but I'm going to have to run here, chap, so I'll have to leave you with that sad note that I think it's going to be a 1-3, but Good to be on. Good Mike. to see you guys. Cool. Well, it's great having you. Good to see you, Mike. I think I'm going to go. For... <laughs> I'm going. I was about to say I'm going to go for two-two. Okay. Well, there you go, mate. That's okay. it's you and me. We've and um, and yeah. same prediction. 
Um, yeah. That's about, that's pretty good. Uh, that's 48 minutes. Um, it's been a fun chat and good catching up with you. Um, thanks for joining you us. You too. And um, my yeah, pleasure. Let's hope, that, let's hope that we're wrong on, <laughs> was it Sunday or Saturday? I don't even know what day it is. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. On let's Sunday, hope, I hope we're wrong. I hope we're wrong and, we, and Arsenal win. Uh, and it's three, and hope... it's three one, and not one three. Exactly. Then um, we can laugh at Mike next week. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So um, thanks for joining us. It's been a, it's been a pleasure having you. And to all of you receiving this on Friday morning, I hope um, I hope it's good to have the pub back. Uh, we'll find a new form and a new time slot. I think um, it looks like it might still be, it might remain Friday mornings. Um, and we may not be doing the post-match podcast since everyone will be in actual pubs and not available to do it. Um, and let's hope that that situation holds and that COVID, um, COVID finally becomes something that we look at in our review mirror. Um, anyway, so thanks again to all of you for joining us. And it was a pleasure having you at the pub um, up the Arsenal. Cheers. <laughs>